We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to episode four of the Eurostep. I'm Kane Pittman and I'm joined as always by the man on the Wisconsin herd beat, Ty Windish. Uh, what's up, man? Not too much, Kane. How's uh, how's everything going on your end? It's pretty good. The Bucks are coming off a 117-106 win at Chicago, sweeping the four-game set against the Bulls for the first time since 2000-2001 and only the second time in franchise history. Uh, they continue to roll on. They're twenty-four and four since Christmas, forty-six and fourteen overall. And really, outside of the first quarter, they they did not uh, break into too much of a sweat against the uh, the rival Bulls. Yeah, this game was. I sort of half watched most of it, and I missed the end. But it was funny because I was, I I went over, I clicked over, I went over to watch it, and I think they were down. They were down like probably 10 plus and it showed on the graphic on the bottom of the screen that said uh, Bucks like 0 for 6 on threes and I forget what the Bulls were. But my first thought was like, oh, they'll be fine. Like the threes aren't falling early. They'll, they'll fall later. They'll, they'll regress to the mean or progress to the mean in this case. Like it's going to be a win. And it, it just it just happened right as I expected. And it was one of those where it's like it, it's so weird to watch the Bucks and just not have any concern whatsoever about being down in the first quarter. And but that's how it is. Like I, I, the zero part of me was like, oh, they for sure lost this game. No, I, I think especially against a team like Chicago, uh, sixteen and forty-five now on the season, the Bulls. And uh, and look, you know when you don't have Giannis, and we'll we'll touch on Giannis shortly and his knee. But when you go into this game without Giannis, um, you know some people get the idea that the Bucks are, are going to completely fall over without the uh, the MVP they're playing, but. Uh, you know, this Bucks team is deep. We've seen it all year. The guys have stepped up. And again, last night, it was it was Chris Middleton. Uh, 
you know, 22 points. Uh, he gets uh, three assists, four rebounds as well, three for five from deep. Uh, and and he really ramped up the aggressiveness. And and every time Giannis has, has missed games uh, this season, the Bucks are now three and two without Giannis, by the way. Uh, but it's been a different guy to step up. Oftentimes, it's been Eric Bledsoe. Last night from the outset, it was Chris Middleton. And even though he shoots 6 for 16 from the field, uh, it was his intent from the start that really set the tone. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, as well, chips in with 22 points. Uh, he, he was his efficient self, uh, 4 for 7 from deep. Uh, he gets 5 assists as well. But, um, you know, overall, this Bucks team, after a little scratchy start and... As always, when Giannis doesn't play, it takes a little bit of time for, for these guys to figure out how to run the offense. And that's not, you know, it, it, it just shouldn't surprise anyone that that's the case when you, when, you, when you realize how big a focal point Giannis is for this team. Uh, so there was a little bit of that to start this game last night, as well as the Bulls just making some shots. Zach Levine was coming off 42 points uh, against Boston. Larry Markkinen was coming off 35 Uh and they started off hot between them. They had 24 points in the first quarter, and, and that was really the difference. But those guys could not stay on the court for 48 minutes, and as soon as they were off, that's when the Bucks really uh, took over this game. Yeah, and it, it, the Bucks were certainly you know benefited from a couple of key balls sitting out when Carter Jr. didn't play. He hasn't played in a while now, but uh, Otto Porter didn't play and Chris Dunn didn't play, and you know, this team that's this bad just can't afford that. I mean, you look at the bench for Chicago that played in this game. Wayne Selden, 29 minutes. Okay, Wayne Selden's pretty good. That's that's not that bad. Shaq Harrison, 20 minutes. That's their second leading bench player. That's not a great sign. Antonio Blakenly. Blakenly? Blakeney. I keep putting that. I always put that extra L in there. Was next. <laughs> and then Cristiano Felicio, one of the most inexplicable four-year, I think fully guaranteed <laughs> contracts of all time in NBA history. A guy who didn't even play before getting the contract still got $8 million a year. He played 11 minutes. And, uh, yeah, it's not good when your bench is, looks like that. I, I'll, I'll, that's a hot take from Ty Windish. No, they uh, they went in with a 38-25 to 25 lead after one. And then Jim Boylan, the madman himself, uh, <laughs> rolled out TLC, Selden, Harrison, Felicio, uh, Blake Nier, and it got ugly quick. That the Bucks rattled off a run to start the second quarter. They took the lead, and from there, they never looked back. And uh, as what, well, uh, on top of the starters uh, that we already mentioned that played well, there was a couple of bench guys that that haven't played as much of late. And DJ Wilson was one of those guys that benefited from uh, Giannis not playing. He stepped up into the rotation. He plays 19 minutes. Pat Connaughton plays 28, which was the most minutes he's played since the 14th of December. So a long time coming for him. And both guys just had a, a really big impact on the game. Pat Connaughton, 10 points, 6 boards, 5 assists, and just just ridiculous energy that we've seen all year from him. Uh, Bud touched on that post-game when I asked him about it. He just got a big smile on his face and he said, this guy, his energy is just infectious the way he rebounds the ball. Uh, his athleticism is huge for this team. And I thought DJ Wilson was the same. His defensive uh, ability to move from guy to guy to cover uh, different positions um, – his defensive ability continues to surprise. And, uh, you know, when you when you throw a guy like that just in the game, when you figure that he's been out of the rotation and when Giannis comes back in, he may still be out of the rotation. You're like, that. this guy is an NBA-quality player. And, again, it just points to the depth of what, what the Bucks are rolling with right now. Yeah, I mean, Connaughton being a, an end-of-the-bench guy is just remarkable depth because 
you know, I think the problem with a lot of reserves who barely get minutes is they get in and they, they, they can't do anything good or bad. And that's just those guys, I feel like just kind of take away from the team. And, you know, like you mentioned already is numbers, but Connaughton getting involved right away, scoring, getting rebounds, getting some assists uh, and one steal. That's always nice to see. I mean, 28 minutes on a ton, but still. Um, this was a, an encouraging all-around game from the non-Giannis Bucks, And I think, you know, I'll take my victory lap here. I mean, I tweeted before the game <laughs> earlier in that day that, listen, I think these guys are sick of hearing about how bad they are without Giannis after losing back-to-back games without him. I mean, the whole thing this season, one, not the whole thing, but one of the whole things for me has been like, this isn't like a great player carrying a team entirely. Like, there's some of that when you have a guy as good as Giannis. I mean, this is a great team all around, too. And I just think after those two games, there was a lot of chatter about this. Even, ironically, a lot of it coming from Bucks fans trying to kind of, you know, dump on the team a little bit to improve Giannis's MVP case, which is something I'm not a huge fan of. But I'm glad the, the guys came out and, and showed out and got a win in, in hostile territory down in Chicago. Yeah, well, I, you know, that was interesting. I, I uh, attracted the uh, hate of Bulls Twitter there a little bit when I mentioned that there were some Bucks fans in the house, but I was just simply <laughs> reporting what I was saying. And Bucks fans are traveling this year and they've been everywhere. Uh, they've been in India, Minnesota. Uh, they're out there and they're enjoying this season. They're enjoying this team. And even without Giannis, they were a very vocal bunch last night. They were enjoying what they were seeing. Uh, we will touch on Giannis, though, because, you know, I, I certainly have a lot of people um, asking me about that. And I think in general, people are just wondering what, what's going to happen with Giannis down the stretch. Uh, you know, the, the, the important thing to really um, say right now is that this isn't a new injury. This isn't something that should surprise anyone that Giannis is dealing with some uh, knee soreness right now. This has been a problem that he's had for the most part of the last two seasons. Um it's a known quantity. Giannis has said himself that it's not just going to cure itself. It's about rest. It's about uh, managing the pain and managing his workload. And for the most part, uh, the Bucks have done a really, really great job of doing that, of, of keeping minutes down, uh, you know, working um, certain spots in the schedule where he, he can get some rest. And the Bucks find themselves right now two and a half games clear of the Toronto Raptors for the first seed, which is actually three and a half when you, when you include the tiebreaker. So, Look, they're in a really, really good spot to get Giannis some rest. Um, and you, you should probably expect that he's going to miss some games down the stretch. Uh, the Bucks have four more uh, back-to-backs left in the season. Uh, that, that includes this Saturday night in Utah, which, again, I don't, I don't have any, uh, you know, I haven't got any intel on this, but my feeling is that I would be extremely surprised if we see Giannis play a back-to-back uh, at any point than the stretch of the season because with the position the Bucs are in and the work they've done earlier in the season to get where they are, there's really just no need for Giannis to be playing back-to-backs at this point. Yeah, I mean, I entirely agree. Just, you know, to sort of look league-wide for another example of this, I mean, Joel Embiid has sat out, I think, about a week now with what I believe has been termed tendonitis. Wow, I can't speak today. Tendonitis <laughs> by the Sixers medical staff. Although with the Sixers medical staff, it could be literally anything. But right. but it's just it, it, this does happen. I mean, big athletic dudes like Giannis and Embiid. And obviously, Embiid is you know a little thicker, but not by much after Giannis's latest round of bulking up. But <laughs> those dudes just you know their knees get sore. You need to sit out, and you'd much rather have the team be proactive 
and and sort of you know little by little set Giannis out to not overdo it, then have him you know work him super hard, and then come playoff time, it could be a bigger issue or it could be more soreness, make it harder to play through. I mean, I agree completely. It's it's not a huge deal. They've seemingly got a really really great shot at the one seed already. If not, I mean, the two seed is pretty much the floor at this point, it seems like. And, you know, as we've touched on before, the schedule is not that difficult coming up. There's a lot of bad teams. I don't know how that always lines up with the back-to-backs. But, I mean, if you punt on a hard road back-to-back in the Western Conference, you're going to come back and play the Hawks a couple times, the Cavs a couple times. With how good the Bucks are and how bad their schedule is, it seems pretty likely that there's a lot of wins remaining for Milwaukee. Yeah, no doubt. And it was interesting that – we should we should also note that the, that the management and uh, you know uh, managing the workload of all these guys throughout the season isn't just uh, you know stuck to Giannis with, with Bud. He's doing that with all these guys. And last night we saw no one played more than twenty eight minutes. Pat Connaughton uh, actually led the team in minutes. Um, and yes, it was a blowout, but but Bud really made sure that he mentioned that after the game that he didn't want anyone to play more than twenty eight minutes, particularly not the starters. So Middleton twenty seven, Ursan twenty three, Lopez twenty seven, Brogdon twenty four, uh, and Bledsoe twenty six. So these guys got um, you know a bit of a run in last night, but also a lot of rest, and that's really important with the Bucks uh, heading out for this for this road trip, which is which is a tough road trip. They're going to play Wednesday night, then Friday, Saturday back to back, and then Monday. So. Look, the Bucks are really conscious of, of making sure these guys are as fresh as possible. And when it comes to Giannis, again, another reason why you, there's, there's no point worrying about this right now uh, is that the Bucks are going to get him his rest, and I would expect him to, to sit for another four to five games uh, down the stretch. But when it comes to playoff time, there's no back-to-backs. And the way that the NBA have stretched out the playoffs so that, that they go two and a half months now is that Sometimes you get two days rest in between games, even three games rest in between games. And particularly if the Bucks do their work early in the first round, he's going to get plenty of time to rest. So, uh, you know, when you project long-term what this injury means for five, six, seven years down the track, that's a little bit more blurry. But for right now, this isn't an issue and the Bucks are just doing what they can to make sure that their star player is in the best possible shape come, come playoff time. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, there's there's no reason to, to stress out over this, you know. Life can be stressful enough, you know, even if you're not worrying about Giannis's minutes. There's other stresses in life, but getting life insurance shouldn't be stressful. And that's why there's Ethos. Ethos, Kane, is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. Very uncomplicated, not very complicated. At GetEthos.com, there are no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars. They wouldn't even look at Giannis's knee. It's fine. There's no exams. No hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy representatives. No one wants that. That's Jason Kidd. We don't want that. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family. And in most cases with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with zero hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in mere minutes. Just go to getethos.com. That's E-T-H-O-S, getethos.com. One more time, getethos.com. Let's go there. Let's go. I just want all the listeners to know that you will not hear me do an ad read on this podcast because... That's Ty's 
that's his area. Like he is, <laughs> he just has that nailed. And you know what? I'm I'm just gonna stay in my lane. And my lane is not ad grades. So uh, <laughs> you know, that's another. I mean, you nailed it again. I, I got to give you full credit. I'm like uh, I'm like Ersan, you know. There's there's days where I can't do much, you know. Some sometimes I can do a lot of things. Sometimes I can't. But no matter what day it is, I can sit in there and take. He can take that charge. I can make that ad read. Damn, that is that is uh, you know I'm all for that uh, <laughs> connection you have with Ersan. But you know, speaking of Ersan, he he did start last night, and I was actually really shocked. So I uh, I wasn't shocked that Ersan started, but I was shocked at the reaction uh, from Bucks fans to Ersan starting this game, um, people were angry. People were not happy with Ersan starting. And, and, and look, everyone's really excited about uh, Miritich coming to the Bucks and, and they want to see him play as much as possible. But again, uh, Bud mentioned before the game that, that Nico, they're, they're just they're easing him into the game. And uh, there was no real pressure for them or they felt that they were going to um, start him in this game. And, and Miritich ends up, ends up playing 22 minutes uh, he played 13 against Boston and 18 against Minnesota. So he's gradually getting up there. And I, I think they're really happy with his progress so far. But just from your point of view, what have you seen from the first three games from Miritich? And and is the fit as good in your mind as what we all thought it was going to be? I don't think it's perfect quite yet. But I do think in addition to learning a new team, I mean, I think people kind of forget that Nico is coming back from injury at the same time. I mean, he hasn't. He hadn't yeah. played in a little while before coming back in that first game at Milwaukee. So I think all things considered, I think he's done really well. Uh, after that first, I think, first half of his first game when Giannis kind of talked to him, or maybe that was after the game when Giannis said, you know, you got to be ready for my passes. Right. Um, he's really gotten involved. He's chucked threes, which is sounds like a negative thing, but honestly it's I, I mean it in the most positive way possible. That's what I want to see from him. I've liked his rebounding, and uh, two assists in 23 minutes is pretty nice too. In this Bulls game, I mean, everyone focuses on the passing. I think the rebounding is the second thing people look at with Nico. I think people like that he's a proven playoffs guy. He was pretty good for New Orleans in a, in a somewhat limited role with, you know, AD and Drew Holiday doing a lot of work last year. But if he can pass a little bit, that helps too. I mean, that obviously never hurts when your big men can pass in an offense. No, I think you're right. And, and you know, in terms of what you, you mentioned chucking, but uh, I don't think – and look, I, I know you noted that. I, I don't know if Chuck is the right word, but this is what Bud wants him to do in this offense. And it's been incredible, the rate that he's getting those shots up right now. Uh, I, I tweeted out a video today uh, where Miritich, he, he hit two threes back-to-back on back-to-back possessions from the exact same spot the left uh, on the left wing in the fourth quarter. That really, the game, it wasn't really a game, but when Miritich hits those two threes, uh, you could see everyone on the Bulls drop their head. Uh, Larry Markinen. I mean, this guy, he's a seven-foot-plus player, and he was right – he was breathing on Miritich's face when Miritich shot that, and he just did not care. And I was watching that, and, yeah, sure, Markkinen's not the best defender going around, but if you're just standing literally still, when there's nothing else you can do. He had his hand up. He was right in his face, and Miritich just did not care. He caught, fired, knocked it down. And when you see that, I mean, that is what everyone is excited about seeing this guy on the team. He's getting up 13.7 three-point attempts per 36 minutes. Ooh. He is letting fly uh, from the outside. I mean, that is that's an astonishing rate to be to be getting threes up. And again, I don't think he's taken too many bad ones. Um, they are all in the flow of the offense. They're the type of shots that Bud wants him shooting. And we know that when he's out on the floor, 
he he attracts extreme attention from from the defense and and uh, you know obviously Giannis was was out last night but with Giannis in that that is going to be an incredible foil for Giannis to go and do what he needs to do and if and like he mentioned the other night if he sees Miritich's defender take a step towards the paint he's going to fire the pass to Miritich and Miritich is going to fire if the defender stays home on Miritich Giannis is going to the rack and he's probably going to dunk on everyone in his way so this is exactly what the Bucks wanted to see. Uh, from Nico to start out, uh, of those threes that he is uh, taking, he's hit thirty eight percent of those. So, uh, you know, in terms of <laughs> while he's still getting adjusted, I think we've seen everything that we wanted to see from him, and we know it's only going to get better. Yeah, I'd say a hundred percent. And I think one of the exciting things, whenever you add a player to the rotation without really giving one up, I mean, no disrespect to Thon, he wasn't really a set rotation player on the Bucks, though. And the thing I like to look at is like how much roster and lineup flexibility Bud has now. Like he could go with all sorts of different looks. I mean, a lot has been made about how fun Nico can be at the five and that's for sure true. But I mean, you could play Nico and and Lopez together for the Bucks version of a huge lineup. I mean, you could put Giannis next to them as well. You could have a bunch of wings with either him or Lopez at the five for entire games. You can use Ursan at the five. I mean, there's just, so many options. So when a guy does sit out like Giannis did tonight, or if someone's in foul trouble or hurt, or et cetera, et cetera, there's just so many ways the Bucks can slide around now. And I think they have a lot of versatility. I mean, I think everyone but Lopez can probably play at least two different positions on this team. And a lot of guys like Middleton and DJ and Giannis, I mean, they can slide all over. And that just, as a coach, that just must be a nice feeling to know you have so many options on your on your team that you can move around. You know, you're not stuck in, oh, we have to play this guy no matter what because there's no one else at that position. Like, that's there's no position like that for the Bucks. No, you, you, that's exactly right. And, and we were actually talking about this at the game last night before uh, Bud spoke to the media pregame. Um, and we were just talking about some of the match uh, lineups that we've seen so far from the Bucks. And Bud has been really... Uh, you know, mixing and matching some stuff and, and just trying out different things. And we've seen at time, we've seen uh, Lopez, Ilyasova and Miritich on the floor together. You can take one of those guys out and put Giannis in. So Bud is, is more than confident of going with that really big lineup. And that shouldn't surprise anyone. If you think back to just before the All-Star break, the uh, the game against the Pacers where the defining run, defensive run and eventually uh, game-winning surge at the end of the fourth quarter was with Lopez, Ersan and Giannis on the floor. So Bud is not at all afraid to go with a big lineup. And he sort of laughed last night and, and, and said, look, there, there is a point where this is going to stop because uh, it was Steve Ashburner from NBA.com said to Bud, well, where does this stop? Are you, could you play Giannis, Ersan, Lopez and Miritich on the floor together? And, and he was like, uh, he's like, maybe. He's like, maybe, yeah, we, we, could, we could probably do that. And then and then Steve said, well, what about Middleton as well? And play those five together. And that's when Bud started laughing. And he's like, look, he's like, look, look there's good, there has to be a point where this comes to a stop. But, hey, this is all the options that the Bucks have. And don't be surprised to see some really, uh, you know, strange things happening down the stretch. Bud's going to be really trying some different things. And it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun to watch uh, who he throws out there. No, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, the thing I think it's almost a disservice that you know when the Warriors and and partially the Rockets kind of revolutionized you know NBA basketball, the term small ball became the way to identify it because it's not really about playing small guys. It's about playing guys that can you know move around defensively and that can shoot threes to space the floor. I mean, space, pace and space is a better term for it. It just didn't catch on quite the same. So. 
you know, you wouldn't say pretty much any of the Bucks' favorite lineups are quote-unquote small. I mean, they usually have a big guy <laughs> in addition to Giannis, who's pretty damn big, and then Middleton isn't tiny himself, et cetera, et cetera. But there's still the same idea of putting the maximum space you can on the floor and being versatile defensively. I mean, we're still talking about the NBA's number one defense. I think people kind of forget that sometimes and everything else that, you know, this this still is, is the league's best defensive unit uh, for the entire season. But it, it's it's interesting that, you know, small ball caught on. And the Bucks aren't small, but they, they do those same things. <laughs> it's certainly not small. I it, It's so funny. Like, it, it sort of changed, I guess, when people uh, stopped mentioning small ball and started talking about death lineups or, or whatever it may be. Because you can't have any lineup where – Giannis is, is even if Giannis is playing a five or playing a four next to Mirit, the 6'10 Miritich or Ursan at, at 6'10 and try and tell me that you can actually call that small ball. I mean, these guys are giants. But again, it's as you said, it's about their, their individual abilities. And with all those guys that can shoot the ball and really space the floor, and, 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 you know, Giannis is turning into one of those guys over 40% in mm. February, over 36% since the turn of the new year. So look, uh, We've said it all year that the Bucks aren't going to play anyone that they can't shoot the three. They're going to another level with that. And it's important to note, I did look at the numbers today, and again, it's only been three games. It's only been 55 minutes for Miritich. But the Bucks are rolling with an offensive rating of 119 with Miritich on the floor, which is absurd. Uh, I don't know how else to describe that. That is insane, but... That is only, you know, I mean, again, we, we spoke about that. This is a guy that's working his way into the system and, and figuring out how everyone plays and trying to, to, you know, to fit in with everyone. And the Bucks are still putting up 119 points per 100 possessions. So, look, they, they haven't had too many issues offensively um, with Miritich. And, again, this is just going to be a work in progress to see how this uh, plays out. But there was, and I'm not talking about Bonzi Colson, who made his uh, Bucks debut last night, there was another player that the Bucks uh, brought in off the streets of Chicago, Isaiah Cannon, uh, shocked everyone, and ended up playing first quarter minutes. What did you uh, did you did you catch that uh, those couple of shots from him? I didn't catch that here. I'll let everyone make fun of me because somehow I was I was pretty busy this weekend. I was away from basketball for. Like it feels like the first time in forever. I think I had a couple withdrawals. Honestly, you're allowed to do that. And you're allowed to like you know, you can't do some other stuff. I, I suppose. I suppose. I, I don't know. I think there's people who would disagree. You know, where, where are these bad tweets we need to see? But anyway, so I, I completely missed the signing. And like I said, I only I only watched the game sporadically. I didn't get to sit down and closely watch it. So I'm looking at the box score on ESPN today, far after the game. Again, like I said, please feel free to make fun of me for this. And I see Isaiah Cannon, and I'm like, another error ESPN? Really? We still have Jalen Morris on the trade machine, and now you're going to tell me Isaiah Cannon played 12 minutes? Like, How's that? Come on, like let get it together. And then I do a little more research, and I go, oh, he he did play twelve minutes. He was pretty good. So I, I don't have really a take besides they they snuck that one past me. And good for Isaiah Cannon making two th- his only shots attempted with threes. He made both of them. Couple assists. I mean, not much more you can ask for from a for a plug in player on the Milwaukee Bucks than to take only threes and make them. No, well, it, it was kind of funny because. Uh, you know, if, if you've ever watched Isaiah Cannon play the game, and uh, I'm sure a lot of the listeners have, he shoots and he's not shy with shooting the ball. Yeah. He'll shoot from deep. And funnily enough, he gets put in in the first quarter. He literally just met these guys like within two hours of, of being on the floor. Um, 
and the two threes that he made were actually kind of important. And, and did they change the game? No. But it was the difference between the Bucks being down by 13 or maybe being down by 20 at the end of the first. Like, he, he fired and the Bucks needed buckets at, at, that, at those points, and he hit them. But uh, it, was, it was so interesting to see how this all played out because uh, pregame we were talking to Bart about George Hill who, if, if people did miss the news, George Hill looks like he's probably going to miss um, certainly this road trip, but this might extend to uh, you know a two-week injury, perhaps two to three uh, with that adductor strain. So, look, that's something to watch there, but it certainly fits the timeline with Isaiah Cannon and they can bring in a point guard on a 10-day contract, potentially give him the second day, uh, second 10-day contract, which would be 20 days, which feels like that's probably going to fit the George Hill timeline. So, look, the signing makes a lot of sense, but... Bud was asked about whether perhaps um, you know a point guard might be the way they look uh, with that final roster spot, and and he 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 sort of started chuckling, and he he held it back a little bit. He's like, oh, I, you know what, we we might be working on that uh, as we speak. And then little did little <laughs> did we know, Isaiah Cannon is just walking into the locker room about uh, you know just down the hallway, dapping up all the players and meeting them for the first time. So. Look, they were working on it. Uh, Isaiah Cannon himself said that he was in Chicago by chance. He went there to get some treatment and, and get some work in uh, after being released by the, the Timberwolves only last week. So, um, you know, it all just fit. And I don't know whether they signed him because he was just in Chicago and they knew about that. I, I'm not sure how this all played out. But either way, he comes in, as you said, plays 12 minutes, hits a couple of threes, and really just a, a nice little offensive spark plug. Uh, I, I don't... You know, my feeling is that it's not going to be a long-term option or, you know, even potentially the direction they definitely want to go with that roster spot uh, for the playoffs. But, um, you know, for, for fit for purpose uh, in, in that night and in that situation, it's, it's a fine signing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can't argue that it didn't work out for the Bucks, And, you know, I believe I'm looking at cleaning the glass right now, and I think I've seen this reported. I mean, they, they have space. They can add someone for the rest of the year and not – doesn't seem like really even come all that close to the luxury tax. So if they wanted Isaiah Cannon, they could probably get him. I don't know if they have enough space to – like if they needed Cannon for longer, then they could get him with 10 days. I don't know if they have the space to sign him to a deal and then waive him and sign someone else. It, if I think that seems overly complicated for the situation, honestly. But uh, either way, yeah, I mean, good good for good for Isaiah Cannon, good for the Bucks getting some value out of a quick 10-day. And I don't think anyone has a more apt last name than Isaiah Cannon because oh, he does shoot. Uh, yeah, he he's got a quick trigger. Uh, and and look, just for those people that that perhaps haven't been on the Isaiah Cannon uh, bandwagon all season long, he's played uh, <laughs> he played seventeen games earlier in the season for Phoenix and was playing uh, he was playing twenty six minutes a night. So look, he's going to be in some sort of game shape, and, and certainly uh, over the next week or so, he'll be capable of playing you know ten minutes a night and, and getting up a couple of threes. And and look, he's a, he's a small guy, and uh, you know defensively, you know. He's not going to bring a lot to the table. He's certainly no George Hill. But look for the for the offense in terms of having a guy in the perimeter that's going to be willing to uh, shoot threes and at least draw the attention of the defense. Um, you know, he's going to be fine. And 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 we'll see in terms of what they do decide to do. I know uh, there is a deadline the first of March for teams to cut guys that then want to uh, sign and be playoff eligible. There's there's some you know some stuff coming up in terms of that. So if the Bucks do have greater plans for that roster spot. We're not going to have to wait too long to find out. Um, but, you know, 
for right now, you know, as an injury insurance, again, this made a lot of sense that they went down in this direction. And really, I mean, a ten-day contract, like you, you know, it's it's not worth yeah. it's not worth getting worked up about. That's for sure. No, um, I, I want to talk about another Bucks point guard, but first, was was the battle of the Lopez brothers a lot of fun to cover? Like, was it fun at all? Did they talk about it at all, or how did that how did that shake out? I feel like it's a it's a disservice disservice if I don't ask you about this. Well, it, it's. It's just funny watching those two go at it up close because we've seen Brooke <laughs> all season the way that I mean I, I've mentioned this before and, and I've said it to Bud and he just laughs when I when I've said it but um, I've never seen a guy so pissed off at himself for doing like good things on the court like he'll he'll hit a three he'll hit a three from you know the parking lot and he'll just be shaking his head the whole way down the floor like he's just so angry at himself and he's just such an emotional player on the court and Robin is the exact same so I could certainly feel that there was some extra competitiveness there and um, <laughs> they they had a, a nice little sequence there in in the uh, in the fourth where Robin hits a three which by the way I'm not sure how many people had money on uh, Robin Lopez uh hitting more threes than Brooke Lopez on the night. But, hey, that's the way it panned out. But it only took about 15 seconds for uh, Brooke to put the moves on his brother and then throw down <laughs> maybe his best dunk for the season. I don't know. He's starting to put a few together. But that was a really, really, really fun moment. But, yeah, I think these guys really like playing against each other. But also they uh, they, they certainly – each one of them wants to get the upper hand. That's, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, I was doing some reading on the Lopez brothers matchups, and I guess I think twice they've combined for forty points when they played against each other, and that's fun. You know, I, I kind of like that they're on different teams. Although I still think the meme potential of both of them being on the Bucks would be too great to ignore. But the Miritich acquisition kind of, kind of even makes me think there's less chance of that happening. Yeah, I think we can we can probably put a line through that one now. But hey, Robin Lopez, twenty six points, ten for sixteen from the field, one for one uh, from three. You could probably make an argument that he uh, he probably took out that battle. Uh, Brooke was 0 for 7 from 3, which we've seen before. I mean, the difference between Lopez having 13 points like he did last night and having a really big 20-point game is hitting those, you know, two or three three-pointers. So, uh, well, you know, we, we, we've come to, to know what to expect from Brooke in, in, in that regard. And, and, look, he had a rare off night where, you know, he wasn't able to knock one down. But, you know, uh, I'm glad you asked because it was a lot of fun. And, uh um, you know, they again. Are we sure? Are we sure they didn't switch jerseys here? We got Brooke with five blocks. Robin's supposed to be the defensive one. Robin hits his only three. Brooke's supposed to be the shooter. This was this was weird. Well, Brooke Lopez is turning into a shot blocking savant. I mean, yeah, he is. He is. I'll put I'll put that respect on his name. I'm sorry, Brooke. He has been insane. He's I I, I did have it too. He was up to two two point five blocks per game. Uh, since the new year before he had five last night. So, I mean, he's he's getting up near three blocks a game. I mean, he's been just incredible defensively. And, and you know, we should probably, maybe next podcast we'll get into Brook Lopez defense because, uh, you know, not something that, that everyone expected coming in from him. They were really excited about what he could bring on the offensive end. But defensively, he is anchoring this defense. And all those early season questions about whether the Bucks can play him in the playoffs, they're gone now. The Bucks have no problem in playing this guy in any situation, in any matchup. Uh, he's proven himself, and and then some. He's he's been he's been incredible on that end. But I know you want to get in some herd stuff, uh, particularly Trey Duval. So you are the man on the herd beat. So I'll let you go ahead with, with this one. I mean, 
Trey Duvall is a guy who pretty much from the jump, even before I got to see him play, I was kind of inherently high on just because I love the gamble with the the two-way contract. I mean, a guy who was first in his class coming out of Duke, unfortunately goes undrafted, you know, from that prestigious basketball university and after one year ends up, you know, sort of jobless and, and takes the two-way with the Bucks. I mean, that's there's just obvious upside there. And every time I watch him play, I, it kind of confirms it. An injury kind of stunted his his development a little bit right as he picked up, I think it was a game, a road game against the Lakeland Magic I was watching that I really liked what he was doing. And he missed a couple after that. He spent a little time with the Bucks, which is great to see him get his first Milwaukee points. But I think more, more the one of the things with Trey that, you know, he acknowledges is important, you know, Coach Jordan Brady does as well as the three-point shot. It's something where earlier in the year it really wasn't there for him. And this weekend, the Herd played two games this last weekend, and I think Friday and Sunday. And Trey was four for seven from three. Some nice pull-up threes were in there. The shot looks a lot better than it did after uh, the second game. He said, you know, it's very important. It's part of the reason I'm down here to develop that and develop and get better as a basketball player all around, which obviously, but there's just a lot of potential there. And there's holes in this game. That's just sort of how it goes when you're – a 19-year-old point guard, it's one of the hardest positions, if not the hardest, to learn on the NBA level. But it's just something it, – it won't be, you know, next week. It won't be maybe not even next year. But I think Trey Duvall is uh, an NBA player, and I think he's going to get there. And that's what the – that's what the – everything I'm seeing from how his game is evolving, what he can do already, his athleticism, which is, you know, at, at times he's just not guardable in the G League. I just think he's a couple – a couple, you know, sort of edges smoothed away from being a surefire NBA player, which is exciting for a two-way guy. You know, it's there's a lot of flux and, and talent level at those contract spots. Yeah, it's interesting because this is, this is something that I, I always spend a lot of time thinking about and w- with young players and perhaps fringe NBA players. Um, you know, in another situation, perhaps Trey Duval is a guy that's getting NBA minutes like in, in a semi-regular basis. But, uh, you know, obviously on this Bucks team, I mean, there's legit ready-made – uh, difference makers not even getting on the floor for Milwaukee. So this this isn't the spot where he's going to get minutes, but and and potentially it won't be a spot where he's going to get minutes. Looking forward to next year, maybe the, the year after that as well. But um, I've got no doubt with the way that the Bucks are treating these young guys and and the development they're getting from not only Jordan Brady with the herd, but uh, when they come up um, and practice with the Bucks and get the opportunities to, to scrimmage with NBA players, I'm sure that this has been a great year of development uh, for Trey. And I, I've caught a couple of her games, and I've been impressed with his ability to get to spots. He, he can yeah. easily get to spots. Um, it's just about you know uh, the fine touches and the finishing touches and, and finding a way to be a little bit more crisp with his finishing. But um, I agree with, with your assessment. You've, you've watched a lot more of him than I have, but he... Every time I've watched a herd play and gone to a herd game, he he's I've walked away thinking this guy's got something. Um, look, he is super young, as you mentioned, but uh, you know I, I think there's something there. I, I just think that you know from a Bucks point of view, again, it's not a great situation for a guy looking for developmental NBA minutes because there's just there's just no room for that. Well, I mean, it's the same deal sort of with Christian and not getting the minutes. I mean, I was talking to a, a staffer at the game for a G League team and. You know, I, I was kind of, you know, I was kind of planting a seed, you know, is, is Trey the best prospect out there on the herd? And they said, well, well, yeah. And I said, well, including Christian was the question I wanted answered because Trey's position is so much more obvious to me. Whereas 
Christian is almost, he's like partially a, a wing, sort of in the Giannis mold, which is actually something I asked him about. You know, he said he's patterned his game after Giannis even before he became a Buck. So it must be nice for him to be on the same team as Giannis now. But he's, you know, he's played more as the five, especially in the G League, although he will play with centers like Siobhan Thompson from time to time. And the the, the staffer, the, the source was like, no, let's not, let's not go that far. Christian is still the better prospect in his opinion. Uh, I'm high on Trey. I think Trey is young, but obviously right now, I think Christian's the better player, no doubt, even though it's going to, I almost forget saying this because anyone who listens is going to, you know, like there's so much caping for Christian Wood and the Bucks fan, but I don't know what minutes people expect Christian Wood to play, what opportunity there is with the Bucks. There's not really one, but none. he is certainly good. I'm telling you, there's none. <laughs> That's the answer. Yeah. He, uh, you know, TJ Wilson is out of the rotation right now. There's just not room for Christian Wood, but yeah, I've been saying all year, and this was before Thon got traded, and this is why I thought it was such a bad decision for for Thon's group to push for a trade. Is there is some uncertainty with the Bucks at the center position moving forward, and maybe there will be an opportunity next year. So look, you know, it, it's not it's not going to happen this year, and and there's no point even like worrying about that because unless disaster strikes, Christian Wood is not going to play on this team this year. That's just the way it is, and it's unfortunate because he probably couldn't have done too much more. Uh, at the G League level, but um, you know, I, I just I don't. You can't worry. Like I don't know why people worry so much about that. Because if you're watching the team, how can you sit there and like say that Christian Wood should be playing right now? Like who's he playing ahead of? And particularly now with the Miritich signing, uh, I think the door's shut on that one for this season. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I just think that you know, I, I think people are smart enough to, to realize that now as well as well as Christian has played. And, and you know, again, you you know, I know we've been there together. We watched the game together. He's as dominant as they come at that level. There's no question about that. But again, just situation-wise, it's, uh, you know, there's nothing there for him. No, and I think the, no, the really the thing that makes him look even better than, than he probably is is you know, the G League, you either get smaller guys who have range and, and can guard on the perimeter, or you get bigger guys who aren't that quick. And Christian's mix of both of those things makes it so that you have to have a really unique player to even have a chance of guarding him in the G League. Whereas in the NBA, there's just more bigger athletic guys, and it, it's, it's harder to stand out for anybody, but for Christian, for sure. Um, the one last G League thing I want to call out is big shout out to my man, Canelos Garbus. The, the Greek player on the herd who's barely gotten any opportunity to play in his 10th game. I think he had played nine games in 36 minutes before this game on Friday. He finally gets his first bucket of the season. And, you know, I talked to him after, and it was a little sobering because a lot of people I talk to who aren't really into basketball, especially who live up here, don't take the G League that seriously or anything else. And I asked Canales after the game, you know, I waited around. I wanted he, he was shooting after the game right after. You know, people were joking like, oh, he's got his first taste. He wants more. And, and I, I said, you know, what what, would it, what did it feel like? You know, how hard is it to to not play? And, and what did it feel like to get your first bucket? And, you know, he starts talking about how well-respected the G League is around the world, how difficult a league it is, how difficult the situation's been. But, you know, he's just so grateful to get a shot and he's going to keep grinding and, and everything else. And he wants to prove he belongs. And, you know, it's serious. I think people forget that. People it'll get lost in the memes and everything else, but – and it's fun to joke around. Don't get me wrong. I'm not the most serious guy in the world, but I'm genuinely super happy for Canelo's Garbus. And I hope he gets more of a shot somewhere. He, he can shoot. Yeah. I think shout out to the guys grinding in the J League because it isn't 
uh, isn't the most glamorous of leagues and it's not like these guys are on big money. They can go elsewhere and uh, play overseas and get big money, but the the dream is the NBA and that's why they're here. And, uh, you know, that, that that's cool to see. And, uh, you know, we know we're, we're covering the Bucks. Giannis is the Greek, uh, the Greek freak. So, you know, we're, we're, we're big fans of any Greek players and I'm glad that uh, Canales was able to, to knock down a bucket. But the Bucks are escaping the snow in Milwaukee right now. They've just touched down in Sacramento uh, ahead of the game tomorrow night. They're going to play the Kings and this one's going to be fun, I think. I, I'm looking forward to this. The Kings are really battling for a playoff spot. Uh, they're one game out of the eighth uh, seed out west, one game behind the Spurs. They're 31-29 and 29 on the season. Uh, and they're a pretty good team at home. They're 19 and 11 at the Golden One Center. Uh, this is the second time these two have faced off. The Bucks destroyed the Kings 144 <laughs> to 109 at Fiserv earlier in the season. But I will say that that was a, a tough matchup for the Kings. They were on the back end of a five game road trip. It was a day game, and you know they were just ready to get get the hell out of there. And the Bucks. <laughs> took advantage of that, it's fair to say. Uh, the one thing with the Kings that we know, they played an extremely high pace, second in the NBA in pace, just a fraction behind uh, the Atlanta Hawks. So, look, expect this game to be fun. Expect this game uh, to be at a really fast pace. And uh, I-, I think it's going to be a competitive game. I don't think it's going to be a walkover by any stretch. Uh, how do you see this one playing out? Yeah, I think it might go right down to the wire with how energetic the Kings are, but... Luckily, uh, Dave Yeager likes to bench Buddy Heald and, and not let him take clutch shots, even when he makes them. So that's an advantage for the Bucks when you when you don't let your player, your best player, shoot late in the games. No doubt, I am. Uh, I'm all for that. If they want to bench the the their clutch shooters, and hey, Buddy Heald's having one hell of a season. De'Aaron Fox is the other guy who I I can't wait to see. So. Uh, the Kings and Bucks, that's a, a West Coast uh, tip off there, 9 p.m. Central Time uh, for that one. Uh, and then the Bucks head to LA. And I'm heading to LA. And I don't want to brag, oh. but the snow is coming down now. And I am just picturing that warm California weather. And I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it sounds like it'll be great for you. Grab a Euro while you're over there. Grab a Euro. <laughs> Do something for the podcast. I- I will. We will record a podcast. It might be live poolside. I might be a few beers. I might be a few beers down. So it could be. Uh, it could be an entertaining podcast. But uh, I think we'll leave it at that for now. You got any final uh, comments? No, I think uh, I think I used up all my takes. All right, sounds good. Well, we got Bucks at Kings tomorrow night, nine PM Central Time. Uh, make sure you catch that one, and then we'll be back in a few days, probably on the weekend. I think. Uh, we'll be bringing episode five of the Euro Steps. So thanks for listening. Yeah, everybody, thank you for listening to episode four. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.